Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dadly Boys of What Culture here to discuss another burning wrestling issue. And today we're here to talk about how WWE destroyed AEW's growth. And the sort of catalyst for this, Sige, is the fact that around a year ago, yep. um, we're heading towards All Out. Obviously, Punk's just signed with AEW. There's a speculation about Danielson and Cole that obviously showed up on that show. On the other side, WWE are just a mess, if we're perfectly honest. And and I believe in the road to All Out, Dynamite beat Raw a couple of times uh, in the in the demos. Since then, they have obviously gone in, in very different, well, not very different directions, but Raw has returned to doing very well for itself. Two million viewers recently. And, and it feels like AEW's uh, viewers... Whilst remaining relatively steady and still doing, you know, d- decently in the uh, in the ratings and uh, and the demos, obviously still number one, feels like it's stagnated a bit. Is that a fair? What happened? Yeah, ultimately, this time last year, or about a few weeks removed from All mm. Out, it did feel like the paradigm was actually shifting. Um, AEW had handily defeated NXT in the Wednesday Night War, and the hype around the arrivals of Punk. Brian Danielson and Adam Cole informed this incredible ratings challenge of the flagship program. And I think a lot of people just thought, right, well, this could be it. AEW could consistently beat WWE. Unthinkable post-2001, but it, it, it is in fact happening or could be happening consistently. And then it simply didn't. I think this is a fascinating subject. And I've kind of arrived at my own personal theory, and there's no correct answer. There's lots of conflicting debate about it, wrestling discourse. This is how we thrive, and this is the thing that we resent but can't help but get amongst. My personal theory, and it's just that, is the theory, is that I think, right, when Punk, Danielson, and Cole were all rumoured, the summer of 2021, AEW's product was white hot. The fact that they just returned in front of like rabid, mm. white hot live fans um, really accentuated how hot it was. And I just think that Punk, Danielson, and Cole were like symbolic of the biggest stars are jumping. You've got the guy who never wanted to come back to come back to this product because why wouldn't he? It's so white hot. And I just think that the people who latched onto AEW Dynamite. On the wave of just goodwill, euphoria, 
all the rest of it, might have thought that, right, well, you've got the ultimate roster now. Let's see that roster interact with itself to the fullest potential. Dream Match City, um, incredible long-term programs, all the rest of it. That's not how Tony Khan books. He's a very patient booker. One of his foremost TV formulas is established name star versus either upstart indie prodigy rookie um, like Daniel Garcia, Mm -hmm. solid to very good mid-card hand like a Bobby Fish or a Tony Nese, or really respected veteran um, like a Dustin Rhodes type. That's the vast majority of Tony Khan's TV matches. This incredible roster hasn't even begun to interact with itself and I think Tony Khan's patient slow burn approach is possibly becoming a little too patient Mm. because it's almost like anachronistic the days of name star versus um squash match guy belong to another century and WWE for literally all of the 21st century hasn't done a rotating cast as a fixed roster of name stars, even if they're not that over, the TV appeal of those graphics are, you're going to get guys who are on the show every single week in prominent positions wrestling each other. And even though a lot of WWE fans get worked when prior to the Triple H era, so many of these matches ended in DQ. So many. Mm -hmm. Or naff finishes or countouts or getting disqualified for kicking too too much ass. (laughs) Nonetheless, they were presented, the WWE fans, matches between name acts that the audience had been familiar with. Is AEW's slow burn approach too patient? Do they, in fact, um, ask fans to infer too much from who these guys are? I don't know, but I just think there's something in the fact that AEW doesn't do dream matches weekly. I think the rotating cast confuses people, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't, but some people are thick, quite (laughs) frankly. There's always the argument as well that good wrestling... Um, and good things aren't necessarily the most popular. Like, um, Breaking Bad is never as big as the Big Bang Theory. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. It doesn't get the ratings of the Big Bang Theory. Obviously, one of those shows is significantly better than the other, but it has a darker tone and a niche appeal, and maybe that philosophy extends towards professional wrestling as well. Look, I much prefer AEW. I don't think that's up for debate, but maybe it's just not for everyone. Maybe it's too cute. Maybe the rotational cast is too much. And even for me, it is like no disrespect to Mance Warner. And I thought you had a hell of a match with John Moxley on Rampage. But for me, when that match got announced, I was almost thinking, oh, you've killed this. Remember Jeff Cobb in February 2020? It felt like a seismic shock of, oh, my God, this wrestling world has been sort of disrupted. You can have these dream matches. You can have these crazy jumps. And I just think Tony Khan has indulged himself. The bloated roster doesn't really feel like it's developing it just doesn't really feel like as big as it could be but then every time a quarterly pay-per-view comes around you think oh it was all worth it those few weeks of dynamite where every match was predictable which itself is kind of another problem as well um oh it was all worth it because this pay-per-view was so spectacular right but then you get four weeks after the pay-per-view and you think i'm a bit bored of all these match graphics to be perfectly honest the irony of all this, of course, Hamlet, is we're talking about this now. When we're talking about dream <laughs> matches, we are recording this hours ahead <laughs> of a uh, dynamite yeah. with the world titles on the well, line. We look like total mugs, <laughs> even even more so than usual. Well, we got yeah, we've got a good twenty four hours before the, yeah. the the ratings come out for for dynamite, and it obviously 
you know, blows this entire podcast out the wall. It'll but do a no point three three. It will. It's it's a valid it's a valid point though, isn't it? That the Sidge makes there, and, and that the, when we look across, you know, when when people saw, uh, as he mentions there, Punk, Cole, Danielson, and we could, I could sit here and mm. list many many more names that have been brought in that I think all of us would have agreed. As much as we think there's a bloated roster within AEW, you can't pass on signing certain yeah. members that have been brought in in the last twelve months, but. It's fair to say that I think a lot of us thought that a lot of these people were going to be game changers and were going to take it not just past Raw, but maybe even to challenge something like SmackDown. Yeah, a problem with the... And it, it like everything Cedric said there is correct about it's like Tony Khan's patience, for example. That was a key word there about how patient he is about him wanting to tell long-term stories. But there is, to simplify all of that, there was a developing problem with obvious winner versus obvious loser. Now, that was never a problem in Vincent Mann's WWE because, and they said it themselves, wins and losses didn't matter. So it didn't matter if you had an obvious winner or loser because they were telling you almost instantly after the match was finished that the result was, like, matterless anyway. Neither was ideal. Ideally, you want all-stars meeting in matches that do matter. We've said for years, and it was nice to see AEW bring this back to the forefront with pay-per-view buy rates, that wrestling is a star-driven industry, more than a brand, more than an ethos or a promoter. It's a star-driven industry. Your pro wrestling stars should be the reason why you tune into a wrestling show or why you emotionally invest. And it was nice that AEW was able to bring back, for example, a conversation that John Moxley is a draw, ratings, buy rates, and the like. That was a nice chat to have back because WWE had led with brand first all these years. I would argue that we find ourselves in a situation currently to relate to like the start of this podcast again, as you say, like Moxley and Punk, by the way, flies in the face of this obvious winner, obvious loser. That's why it's so yes. hot and that's why it stands out. It's a rule proven exception. It is, as is, to be honest, the very booking of it because the patients should have suggested this was going to be a pay-per-view main event. So this kind of flies in the face of a few of Tony Khan's typical booking habits. But yeah, WWE at the moment, oddly enough, despite AEW signing a bunch of wrestlers over the last year or so. And many of them, we would have said, case by case, sign him. Case by case, sign her. Bring them in. Rather than rather than thinking too much about the big picture, you would sign A, B, and C. Oddly, with Triple H taking over recently and almost the immediate impact of some of his pushes and some of his projects, it kind of feels like WWE have signed stars as well. Mm. You were just, your enthusiasm was dulled for everybody, as per Vince McMahon's brand-first philosophy and whatever entertained him that day. And I say that day because it could have been different in the morning to the evening, right? <laughs> so there was no point engaging in anybody from one week to the next. You just had to keep your fingers crossed, we said it before, that the wrestlers you like would have a nice day at work. That was the extent of being able to emotionally invest. All of a sudden, after around six weeks, for all that Triple H has far greater changes to make if he's going to make WWE permanently good, and functionally good all over again. What he has done is made Kevin Owens feel brand new, Tommaso Ciampa feel brand new. He's kind of said without saying, forget about all that, I'm sorry Dead was so useless, but I like this guy, and I like Kevin Owens, I like Kevin Owens, I like Sami Zayn, I like Bailey. I like women's wrestling in general, I like tag belts, I like secondary titles. And that's a bit like AEW's last summer. Instead of signing new stars, you've just been reminded that they were there all along, and there is something to that. It's, it's WWE. Triple H's mandate will still be brand first, brand first. But for now, at least, in the short term, I think he's purposefully trying to obscure that. I think he's trying to tell you again to invest in stars. If you have a favourite, if you like Kevin Owens, stick with him. I've given you three good weeks, and I promise you good things are coming to this character because I've asked you to invest. Please invest and come along the journey with me. It's not, 
it's not as hot as signing people because there's something to, and AEW's reminded us of that, there's something to seeing somebody on the other channel. And Cody coming back to WWE is evidence that it works both ways as well. But I think for a good year, Triple H is going to have a grace period of, like, doomed wrestlers suddenly feeling like brand new stars. And he should indulge in that. Like, this is the one saving grace of taking over from such a busted flush like Vince McMahon. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that. You know, Raw this week did over 2 million viewers, and this wasn't just the first week of you know, a Triple H era and mm. just the intrigue and what have you. It was one of my favorite roles of the year, if I'm perfectly honest. I did a .55 in the demo as well. And I, I think a lot of us, when we saw those raw numbers dwindling, and that, a lot of that was, you know, maybe pandemic stuff as well. Mm. But I think we all agree that we got to a certain figure and we were like, that's it. It's never going to drop below that because that's the diehards. But we also saw, well, there's clearly this, you know, element of fans that are fickle or just have taste, um, that, that, that tune in and tune out. And if, and if Dynamite can get them to just have a little bit of a watch, even one week, then that might change things. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's the thing with, obviously, the ratings is where it's helpful, I think, is that last it was last week, maybe, where Dolph Ziggler and Theory, as the Raw main event, was used as a bit of a stick to beat the subjective take that WWE was a, a hotter product at the moment. Because that is subjective. People can just, like, you might not watch WWE, so in your mind, AEW is the only hot product. This rating has somewhat made that objective. It has suggested that um, a bit of, just a little bit of plotting, <laughs> not even like long-term storytelling, just some storytelling, some plotting, will reward your investment and get you coming back next week. And Triple H had a really hot start, and then it tailed off a little bit, and then out of nowhere they've come back. 
maybe it's not out of nowhere. Maybe people are feeling like they can invest and maybe that this is one week. Maybe it'll just be an outlier, but maybe there'll be growth, you know? And I think it's the numbers have been helpful, I think, to remind you that uh, I think more, and again, this is my, my own personal take, probably because I represent this. I think a lot of people still want to enjoy WWE. I think WWE absolutely burned masses and masses of its once core audience over the last decade. You know, we saw it wasn't so much them protesting about Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch. It was about them not protesting at all. Mm. When crowds did come back, AEW was substantially hotter in the arenas because all that time in Daly's place, like, please stick with us. Look, we're giving, we're giving, we're giving. We want you back. Like Vince McMahon himself going, where the hell have you been? Like there was like outward resentment as well as this inward one that has always existed. I think a lot of people didn't want to resent WWE. They wanted a reason. I was certainly like that with NXT. I was like, you know what? There's a WWE logo in the middle of that X, but I will stick with it because this feels like it's in service to me. So I think for the longest time, people have actually wanted to have the door back open mm. to them. This might not last. This honestly might not last, but this is absolutely a grace period and one that Triple H should ride as long as he possibly can. I have been kind of surprised by the amount of people, whether it be my friends or just people on social media who are like, oh, am I going to get back into WWE now because there's this this sudden wave of positivity around it? What, what do you make of, of WWE's ratings, Sige, and um, this new new era under Triple H? And how can AEW close the gap for you? Um, my thoughts on the ratings are that Triple H's WWE thus far is a bit of a monster of a rating success. Um, I think there's obviously the fact that a lot of fans have thought, right, okay, new start, reset, uh, my investment was burned. I've now been given a reason to tune back in. And there's a natural curiosity mm-hmm. of what would a Vince-less WWE look like. And the Vince-less WWE looks like quite physical, rapid action, certainly removed from the dreaded, methodical WWE norm. The stories are not blow-away intriguing, but they're very functional, A to B. He's making the old things matter again. Look, hand on heart, it's not my favorite thing. I'm not blown away, truthfully, like this bone-deep excitement where getting out, it's Sunday, nearly time for Raw. I'm not there yet. Might I ever be? I don't know. But a lot of people are really starting to think that, you know what, let's give this a shot. There's actually a reason to invest. And if you look at WWE's product on television right now, a lot of it makes sense. I don't necessarily think that should be this incredible thing to shout <laughs> about. But it, it makes sense. The action feels hotter, more expressive, louder, the noise is creeping up in those arenas, and it was dead for about three years. Mm. That's not just including the pandemic, obviously. (laughs) Um, And it looks like the biggest game in town. And the wrestlers are obviously having more fun. The stories are making more sense. The honeymoon period is there, and it just feels like... It still might just be a honeymoon period. You might get five minutes on extra match, and people think, all right, I'm bored of this cheat code Mm. to filling out a three-hour raw. But it just, it's very broad and basic and easy to understand. Like, I love poring over the small details of an AEW Dynamite, and particularly the the Elite Saga, where you can recall things from three years ago. You can look at an expression from Hangman Page, and that hints towards his direction. And if you want the minutiae of great storytelling, you go and foreshadowing, and all these wonderful devices for the hardcore nerd fan, they're there in AEW. WWE is broader and possibly at this point, has way more mass appeal. Uh, The casual audience is a myth. There are not 6 million Midian fans (laughs) held over from 2001, just waiting for Midian and tits and the Attitude Era to come back. The Attitude Era never ended, realistically, until 2008. Tonally, those products were exactly the same. 
But there is a mass appeal and there's an audience to get, and kind of Triple H is doing it at the moment with a broad blockbuster, mediocre to solid to very good product, the baseline for which is, if nothing else, being raised to solid. And maybe that's enough for people. As for how AEW challenges again, look, I think that it works for me. I love being patient. I love the slow burn. I love pay-per-view weeks where you just can't wait for the show to arrive. But maybe in an era of just instant gratification where you're just looking at your phone the whole time, maybe it's just a little bit too patient in slow burn and maybe it is congested and maybe I have been um, asked to invest in too many acts and maybe there is a bit of a problem in building, 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 building. Because if you're building waves and waves and waves upon talent, the, the generation of Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen, where are they realistically, right? People were saying, oh, Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen at Revolution 2020 was so good, the characters were so hot, that might be a w, uh, an AEW pay-per-view yeah. main event in 2025. That was the take at the time. Yeah. Is that ever going to happen at this point? No. I think Tony Khan's been greedy, excessive, indulgent with his uh, recruitment approach. And maybe at this point, like, I understand one of the strategic reasons why he's leaving so many matches on the table. Because he can go to Warner in his negotiations for the rights fee, and say, look what I can guarantee you for the next five years on your television program because this is what I've deliberately, strategically not done yet. Maybe when the rights fee comes in, if and when it does, he can go, right, Punk and Omega, uh, Danielson versus Punk, and all these other dream matches on TV at a far faster clip than we've been getting because I just don't think something like CM Punk versus QT Marshall or Lee Moriarty, both very good performance in their own right. Lee Moriarty could be something special, but that's just not really clicking with not the casuals, but the same mass audience as WWE. Maybe this patient building approach is sort of antiquated, quite frankly. Amber, have you had an AW recover their growth? Um, well, this is the thing. I think like the TV rights fees conversation, like it's going to be well, not the conversation, but the rights fees negotiations are going to be really interesting because when they got their last extension, like Dynamite was this young, nascent, hot product that was theoretically only getting hotter before the pandemic struck. Now, in one sense, that was really fortunate for AEW because imagine having to go at the table with half a year at Daly's Place and all the uncertainty. They got the deal. But I think that's a great point. I think what he's, he's armed with is a bunch of these dream matches. However, to counter that, when you have a roster this big, you should kind of always be having new dream matches anyway. It shouldn't be about saving. It should be like, well, I've signed these people, so I don't have to save. It's the, it's the promise of the best of both worlds, even if it's unrealistic to deliver that. Um, I would like to see something about the, the planning and the careful strategy of Tony Khan means occasionally. I wouldn't say it's confusion where, oh, like, who's this from? Like, I haven't seen them in six weeks. It doesn't feel quite as um, spontaneous as it might do. If somebody just really gets over... And sometimes in wrestling, you have to go with them. And I'm not saying that you should divert in some like crazy direction, but somebody should become way more profiled. Ricky Starks is currently the subject of a major singles push and a babyface turn. This is a singles push that between the three of us on podcasts, and I know plenty of people out there, have basically been calling for for two years. There was months where Starks was barely even getting on Dynamite. And he was won- injured for a lot of it. But there was like that, he's one example of this sort of thing yeah. happening all the time. Um, there are like wrestlers, Kingston. yeah, like it's wrestlers have me, periods yeah. of time where they're featured, and it's not whether or not they're over or not, because it's rare that somebody, like certainly on Dynamite, less so on Rampage, but certainly on Dynamite, walks out and isn't over to a degree. 
But I think sometimes, and this doesn't really happen in WWE because they haven't been spoiled with quite as varied and diverse a roster. I think sometimes if there was a guy that you really like, then you just want to see them week after week after week, not see them once. And this is a women's division problem. You want to see them week after week. You don't want to see them. And then, where well, they gone for six weeks. That's not going to... Can, that's not going to make you want to tune in next week or the week after if they're not there, if these people you like. Like, crap example now, but once Steve Austin was over, he was opening Raw every single week at the top of the hour. AEW don't necessarily book like that, but in terms of featuring the acts, that little, uh, yeah, he's not on the show, but he's backstage with Tony Schiavone. Maybe it's not enough. Mm. Maybe there does need to be that little bit more spontaneity mixed in with the with the long-term planning. It's... What we're asking for is utopia still, ultimately, and it's whether it or not... They did promise it. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, it's whether or not they can continue to try and achieve it. Well, it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes forward. Do let us know your thoughts in the comments section below, including nice. how much uh, this uh, is going to age like milk following the World Title Match <laughs> on Dynamite tonight. Uh, you can also uh, like, share, subscribe, subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from. Continue the conversation with us on Twitter, at What Culture WWE, uh, where you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. You can follow the writer of the brilliant Becoming Elite, The Rise of AEW, Michael Sidgwick, at... M. Sidgwick. Available on Amazon right now. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. But for now, we can get the table. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.